This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Houston, we have a podcast. You're listening to the Premier Rockets podcast. It's H-Town Hoops. Hosted by Brandon Scott and Adam Spolane. H-Town Hoops podcast, Brandon Scott, Adam Spillane with Austin Mendez producing this thing for us. And you know what time it is. We're going to get into more Rockets, offseason, free agency, draft, all of that. We're going to talk a little bit more about that on this episode as we have the last few weeks of the offseason. But let's kick this thing off with the latest news, the latest headline, NBA headline that's outside of the finals and outside of like, you know, some of the nonsense stuff that's happening like off the court, but like actual NBA news is that Chris Paul could be waived by the Phoenix Suns. Now it's not a guarantee that this is exactly what's going to happen. The Suns could either waive him. They could renegotiate his contract in some form or fashion, or they could do nothing. There's a number of different things that they could do, but they are weighing their option options. I think is the best way to put it at this point. But it does seem like it is uh, at least somewhat likely that they could waive Chris Paul. And I like I, I understand this is more so from a business standpoint and trying to make dollars match up and dollars make sense and everything. But the idea that the Suns would part ways with Chris Paul to me sounds a little bit ridiculous considering where they are. Like that is a win now team based off the move that they made to go get Kevin Durant during the season. Adam, I, I can't imagine a scenario where Chris Paul is not on this team. Even if you are a team or, or a fan of a team of a contender that's hoping maybe you could add Chris Paul or maybe Chris Paul's a finishing piece on your team, I've got a hard time. I really struggle with the idea that the Phoenix Suns would actually part ways with this guy. Uh, waving him doesn't make a ton of sense to me just because – you know, they could waive him and use the stretch provision. And basically he would count 3 million, I think against their cap next season. And, and so that gives them a little bit of flexibility, but it's not enough to where they'd actually be able to really sign someone of importance really. So to me, if they were to do something with, with him, it would be to trade him with the 30 million. And maybe you can get two or three guys, you know, in order to fill that role. And, you know, you look at just their roster, they had very little depth. I mean, that was one of the things that the uh, the Durant trade really took away from them was just any semblance of depth that they had on that roster. So if you could turn him into another point guard, granted not as good of a point guard, uh, and then another player, I think that that helps them. He's 38, so, you know, not the most durable guy in the world, 
and you're trying to, it's, it's not, you got to get through the full 82 game season. And so if you can find some, a way to help you get through that 82 game season to where you're not so dependent on your core three guys who, you know, Duran has obviously had trouble staying healthy in the past. Devin Booker's had, you know, a hamstring here, a hamstring there that has kind of kept him off the floor. And I don't know what's going to happen with DeAndre Ayton. So if you can maybe create some depth out of nowhere, I think that then maybe trading Chris Paul to add, you know, a couple players that maybe makes sense. But yeah, it's kind of a bizarre story, Um, but he's 38. And so I kind of get where they're coming from with that, where, you know, it's, he has not been able to stay healthy really the last, I guess he's probably been a little better off than you would expect, but can you win with a 38 year old point guard taking up that much of your cap? I, I don't know. But it's interesting, Adam, we've had back-to-back seemingly bizarre NBA offseason stories involving high-level players like this. Like, this is the latest one, and Chris Paul has local ties, so for obvious reasons, we're talking about it. But before the Chris Paul news, we heard that apparently apparently Kyrie Irving has reached out to LeBron James to try to recruit him to come to to Dallas, which makes zero sense and and – actually sounds like it would have been impossible for them to have tried to do during the season. But, but beyond that, this is one to kind of tie them together. This is one that actually makes a little bit more sense. I wonder what you think about this, like Chris Paul, like I don't understand why Phoenix would want to get rid of Chris Paul, but if they did, and like you mentioned, if they could get a couple of players back, I do wonder if the Lakers are the team that does have the players that they could get back, say, D'Angelo Russell and another player, just whatever other player, or just something else in D'Angelo Russell. Well, then they'd have to do a signing trade, though, for Russell. And if you're Phoenix, you know, we're talking about them maybe wanting to get two players. If you do a signing trade for Russell, then basically you would think Russell's not signing for anything less than what Chris Paul is already making. Fair enough. So you're basically just, you know, swapping parts. And to me, I can't imagine Phoenix would want to go from Chris Paul to D'Angelo Russell, at least not for the postseason. You know, for the regular season, that type of a move makes sense, but not for the playoffs, especially when you already have Booker and Durant there to really generate most of your offense, and you just need somebody to get you into that offense. Well, and so I guess I use that as an example, but and just as a player, and obviously Russell's a, is somebody who who is due a contract, but is this kind of set up for Chris Paul to basically go to the Lakers or is it essentially him staying, um, staying in Phoenix? And uh, like to me, it feels like there's only really two possibilities here. Like he either stays in Phoenix or he tries to like, you know, uh, strong arm his way to, to to the Lakers with LeBron. Uh, maybe, but there is the trade possibility. And so if you could find a team that feels like maybe they're a point guard in a way, and maybe they feel like they have some depth that they can afford to to get rid of, then it would make sense for them to take you know a one year flyer on Chris Paul. I think the Lakers scenario works out if they were to waive him. Uh, but like I said, I don't know if it makes a whole lot of sense to just simply waive Chris Paul unless, you know, you're using the stretch provision and then maybe you have, you know, another couple of plans that you have in motion. So it's, it's strange, but that's, that's the hard part about building these teams, especially when you have so much money tied up into veterans is that it just leaves you very it gives it leaves you very little wiggle room. So basically you have for them four guys are taking up their entire cap. 
it's really tough to to do business that way over a long span. You know, when Phoenix made the finals a couple of years ago, DeAndre Ayton was still on the rookie deal. And so they had a whole lot more depth on that team. And now you you give Ayton the contract, you make the, you, you make the consolidation trade for Durant, and now all of a sudden your eggs are basically in the baskets of a couple of different guys, and it's really tough to do business that way. You, as we've seen, you need depth. And you look at the teams that are in the finals right now, Denver has some depth. You know, obviously Jokic and Murray are the two guys, but you look at the surrounding guys. You look at the Porters and the Aaron Gordons and some of the guys that come off the bench for that. The Browns. Team. The Browns. Uh, Bruce Brown. Yeah, Bruce and Christian Brown. Brown, you know, Bruce Brown was a was a uh, a pretty affordable free agent signing that they made. Um, uh, Christian Brown was a first round pick. They made the KCP trade where they took, you know, they took a couple of pretty solid pieces, uh, or at least with Monte Morris and Will Barton, two guys who were either starting or rotation guys for that team. And they turned it into KCP that really worked out. And then Miami is just depth all around where obviously you have Adebayo and you have Butler, but then you have guy after guy, after guy, after guy that they're able to bring in off the bench or, you know, they can shuffle guys in and out of the starting lineup. So having depth really helps. And so it's I, I think one of the things that you're seeing is that the days of I think it's going to be hard to have like that top heavy type team unless you make some really shrewd moves, whether it's in the buyout market, which proves to not necessarily work all the time, or you hit on some draft picks that maybe you aren't expecting to hit on, whether they're late in the first round or in the second round. That's that's one of the things that you have to do, I think, to be successful. From a rocket standpoint, and we touched on this a little bit in the previous episode that we did, but now that we've got this news about Chris Paul and them trying to figure out what they're going to do next with this contract, I do find it interesting that the guards, the, the guards that they had together when they went on that run, James Harden and Chris Paul, in an offseason, in the same offseason, they are both in situations where different situations, but where their contract situation could change, where they could find themselves on a different team. And, you know, I, I don't feel like either guy left under the best, most ideal and perfect circumstances, but it is interesting that, that the one who would have the emotional tie and where there would be mutual interest would be, uh, would be James and not Chris. Whereas for me, I'll just say for me, I wish, I wish that it was Chris. I wish it was different. Like it was the other way around because James Harden is the better player. And like, I, I think historically you could actually kind of make an argument about that or actually have a case about that. Cause Chris Paul is arguably, you know, the best or, you know, a top two or three point guard ever. But, but right now I would say James Harden is probably the better player, but Chris Paul's a better fit. It's just, it's just a shame though, that your tweet is correct, that it is, it is it probably just as likely or more likely that you or I play point guard for the Rockets than Chris Paul uh, were to ever come back here. Yeah. The, the divorce between the Rockets and Chris Paul was we thought it was kind of ugly with, with Harden. It wasn't nearly as ugly as it was with Chris Paul because they traded Chris Paul when they told him that they weren't going to trade him. And then you had all sorts of bickering, you know, you had all sorts of, you know, stuff that Tillman Fertitta said about Chris Paul's contract. Uh, yeah, I bad mouthing him. Yeah. And I don't think that Chris Paul 
I think the feeling between the two is probably pretty mutual. I don't think either one likes the other. So if Chris Paul were to become a free agent for whatever reason, I don't think that he would have any interest in coming back to the Rockets. And I'm not sure if the Rockets would have any interest in bringing him back. I, I think that's one of those things where uh, divorce probably good in, in with, with those two sides. And I don't think that there's any sort of reconciliation that is possible under any circumstance. So I, I know it was kind of a popular thing to, for people to think about yesterday, but no, Chris Paul and the Rockets will not be uh, joining forces once again. That will never happen. Yeah, it's one of those things where the reality of it is not nearly as cool as sort of what the dream is or just sort of the idea that that people kind of can have fun with that. I know I certainly did, but somebody that is not... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, somebody that is not against the idea, or at least totally against the idea of rejoining the Rockets is James Harden, and we talked a lot about that. The latest report is that he's torn between the Rockets and the Sixers. I could see that, but I'm also like not entirely sure what the interest level is with the Rockets and the Sixers. Like, do we even have a better sense? And I don't know why we would, of course, you know, the finals are happening and there's no, there's not necessarily a, an urgency for this right now, but I don't feel like I have a better sense for how much the six, how badly the Sixers actually want him back and under what circumstances and under what terms and whether the Rockets are like, just want James Harden at all costs or if they're like kind of the, on the other side of, how some people are like, hey, I just I'm only interested in like a one or two year deal to hell with paying James Harden the max. Um, but then from James Harden's standpoint, why would you why would you be going for anything less than that uh, if you're opting out of a already opting out of a one year deal? So uh, or the last year of a deal, what the one year of a deal. So um, so what, what's your what's your feeling on this, whether we've gotten anywhere further? Uh, the idea that James Harden would be torn between the Rockets and Sixers, is that substantive at all? I don't think so because I, I don't like have the Sixers made him an offer. Have this because the Sixers can actually talk to him. So have they gone to him and said, Hey, this is what we're willing to offer you? Because the thing is the Rockets can't. Now that doesn't mean that there there haven't been overtures between the two sides through back channels or whatever. However, teams tamper these days. But I don't like, does he have offers on the table from either from both teams? And so I don't know the answer to that. Now, if I would be interested to know, like, is he torn if, if the money is the same? If the two offers are the same, what does he do? So I, I don't have any feel for the situation at this point. I'm not sure we will maybe until the draft or probably until after the draft. Um, and you start to get an idea of what Philly is offering because if Philly low balls and Philly goes two years or whatever, four years for well below the magnet, you know, whatever, you know, number you want to throw out there are the Rockets willing to match or exceed that offer. And so when I see these stories about how Harden is torn between Rockets and Sixers, I'm curious to know if the money's equal, what happens if the Sixers offer more, 
is he still torn? If the Rockets offer more, is he still torn? So I, I, I think just I don't have enough information to have to be able to form some sort of an opinion just based off of that story. I, I think we're kind of getting into and we're going to get a lot of these over the next few weeks. But I just I don't know how to react to that story. What was it yesterday that that came out? I just don't know how to react to it. Yeah, I, I, yesterday or the day before. And, and And honestly, this is one of those. This is one of those that I actually don't like, to be honest with you, but it it it, it generates a conversation that, and then you feel like you're negligent for not being a part of it if you're supposed to participate or if it's kind of your job to participate. But this is one of those, Adam, that I don't like where something was kind of said on a podcast and then aggregated and then became a headline. Which which podcast was it? This was this was, if I remember correctly, this was Sham Sarania saying this exact thing on Ryan Rosillo's podcast, I think two days ago, we're recording this on Thursday. I think this was around two Monday or Tuesday, somewhere around there. So, um, so yeah, so, so, so this, this was something that was said on the podcast and then aggregated and tweeted and then articles were made of it. Um, but I think Shams was just kind of making a, or Shams was just making a point or kind of just speaking to what we already know is that James Harden seems to be weighing, seems to seems to really have two specific options in the Sixers, who are an obvious option, and then the Rockets, who are uh, a more, I guess, a more specific option that's very particular to him, right? Very specific to him. So, um, and we and we already know that. So I think that's part of what's happening. Um, I, I think that just as we talk about this, and I might make this point again, and it's just, it's so primitive and basic, but it is it to me is impossible to conceive of him taking less to go to Houston. And I mentioned that just to say that the whatever conflicts anyone has about the idea of him making the max it very much feels like there's no way to get him unless the tie is nobody offers him the max you know like or nobody offers him the four i should say nobody offers him the four years you know like if he only gets offered you know something short which i don't think is going to happen you know so like i i just don't see a scenario where the rockets are able to both get to both get James Harden and get James Harden at a bargain. I, I, I can't imagine that scenario. You know, it's interesting. You, you mentioned one, the Sham Sharania getting aggregated. One aggregation that I, I don't think I've heard yet, Austin Rivers on his podcast, and I'm not sure if how many people out there listen to it. It's, it's decent. It's not a great podcast, but it's solid. Um, he kind of offhand basically said that James is going to the Rockets. And I thought that that was kind of interesting from somebody who – played with Harden here, and then his dad just coached Harden in Philly. So I thought that that was kind of interesting that he just, like, he said it pretty matter-of-fact that Harden is going to the Rockets. I don't remember which which episode that was. It was a couple weeks ago, but he did happen to – so that was something that caught my ear, and I'm surprised that it's something that didn't catch on more, was basically Austin Rivers saying that it was a done deal, that Harden's mm-hmm. going back to the Rockets. Was it after – I mean, everybody's talking in circles at this point anyway. Yeah. I don't know. You know that – was it after the combine? Was I don't, it after I don't. Was it after the okay? Because 
because that was the thing too was you know after the lottery obviously and then after the combine everything that i was reading and listening to adam was basically you know there's consensus among the people that you know how we do how we chit chat in our, in the circles whenever we whenever we all get together everybody was basically parroting that he was going to Houston but it didn't seem like too many had like a firm why or or like an independent thought on or source on hey this is this is why this is happening it was just like hey everyone's saying it so everyone's saying it and so everyone's saying it and so it must be true but that's why I thought it was interesting coming from a player. Yeah, had, sure that, and, and that's why I asked you if it was before yeah. or after, because I think that would have stood out. I'm pretty out. sure it was after, but I mean, it's this is a this is a player who has played with Harden and whose dad just coached Harden. Yeah. So you got to feel like there's a little bit of insight coming from that, um, aside from whatever some you know media might say, because it's not like Harden's camp is talking to a ton of reporters. I mean, that's no. just not really how they operate. So no. I and and I don't know if if Daryl Morey wants to be leaking to reporters that, you know, Harden is, you know, I, I think Daryl Morey wants to, you know, to exude confidence with this whole thing, because obviously it doesn't help his situation if Harden leaves and they get nothing back in return. So that's why we've kind of said this quite a bit over this, you know, as we've gotten into this, but, you know, Philly kind of has to bring him back because they get nothing in return if they lose him and they can't really replace him because of where they sit with the cap. So it, uh, that's why I it, it kind of feels like that they're stuck and they kind of have to offer him whatever he wants. But I don't know. Maybe they won't. Yeah. We, yeah, got, plenty, we got plenty of time to get into this more. Yeah. Yeah. And and we've mentioned it before. I put it yeah, before on it like 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 we it, the, the the discourse on Harden is so funny because it's like I check in with Sixers fans that want nothing to do with Harden. And we obviously hear from a lot of Rockets fans that want nothing to do with Harden. But the reality is so much so that the Sixers very much need James Harden and the Rockets very much either need James Harden or somebody like him, something like that uh, to help them uh, get out of this. And, and, and there is James Harden as a possibility. So it's just so funny, the conversation versus sort of the reality uh, with that whole thing. So let's move on to M.A. Udoka's staff, and I'm going to kick it to you just because I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to keep up here. We were waiting on the, the Celtics to get eliminated or to win or to whatever was going to happen with the Celtics, and they were eliminated. We suspected that there would be Celtics assistants that would matriculate to – M.A. Udoka's Rocket staff. Where are we now with his staff and all of that? Um, so I guess at this point, we do have some names that are being reported. And we all we, we talked about Royal Ivy. Let me pull up the others. Um, yeah, because I saw Aaron Miles. It was Aaron Mike Miles. Moser. Moser was one. And Ben Sullivan were the other. Ben others. Sullivan, those yeah. Three, those were the three that he that reportedly are going to be uh, brought over from Boston to Houston and the Celtics are kind of trying to, to revamp their coaching staff on the fly too, because you're going to, they're going to lose those guys. Plus they lost Damon Stoudemire during the season. Um, so it looks like right now we've got at least four names that are going to be on the staff. We just don't know when. And, uh, and Udoka said, I guess he threw out the first pitch before the Astros game on Wednesday. I want to say last week, 
And he said that they might have some news on this in a, a couple of days. So, you know, I thought that we would have, he was, they weren't going to wait to announce guys once they weren't going to go. Let me say blah. They weren't going to wait until they had the entire staff assembled to announce it. They would start announcing names as soon as they had them. So I'm surprised here we are more than a week later that that has not happened. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, I did think, and it does sound like um, no one from Steven Silas staff will be retained. And I asked Udoka specifically about John Lucas and um, Udoka said that he has met with Lucas and Lucas is running um, or he's uh, conducting their pre-draft workouts, but Lucas remains under contract. So I think that's the big difference there is that, you know, the rest of the staff wasn't under contract. Lucas is actually under contract. And so they can kind of say, hey, will you help us with these draft workouts? I still don't think that means that he's going to return. If I had to guess, or I would say that Lucas will not be back. So You've already seen uh, Rick Higgins reportedly is going to go join the Utah staff. So that's one down. Uh, Mahmoud Abdel-Fattah was with the Rockets at uh, at the Combine, but he wasn't there as a Rockets employee, I guess would be the best way to put that. Uh, Lionel Hollins and Mike Batista are unlikely to be brought back. And so that pretty much just leaves Lucas. And at this point, I would be surprised if Lucas is on Udoka's staff. Now, the question then becomes, does Lucas stay with the Rockets in some sort of capacity or does he look for a job somewhere else? And it wouldn't surprise me one bit if he starts looking at other teams. Yeah, that's what I was anticipating. I'd love to see him stick around just because he's been around for, for so long. He's a fixture in the city in so many different ways. But you can see it. I mean, it's a new staff and... It just might be time to move on. Now, obviously, uh, there there are things that they could find for him to do as somebody that's just been around the league for so long. There are plenty of things that they could find for John Lucas to do while he's still under contract. But as you mentioned, he probably wants to be on the sideline yelling at players and doing his John Lucas thing, you know, coaching. So we'll see how that plays out. But I do want to ask you because I don't know if I have a great sense for this yet. And I'm interested to see how it plays out. That's why the season is worth following and the team is worth following and covering and everything. But what do you think is going to be the impact of this? Obviously, we know Udoka has replaced Steven Silas as head coach. But, you know, the fact that there will be no carryover with the assistant coaches and the ones that uh, that have sort of helped develop some of these younger players and just this idea that they're going in this totally new direction and uh you know in terms of their development and everything what do you think is the impact of like just a totally new coaching staff not just the head coach yeah i don't know that's a good question um to me i think maybe sometimes as players you see the same coaches day in day out you can get a little comfortable um so now you're kind of starting over which i guess can be seen as a bad thing that because you have this foundation you know somebody like Jalen Green has this foundation that he's built with Rick Higgins over the last two years now he's gonna have to start over with somebody else so maybe that could have an adverse effect but maybe on the other hand he got a little comfortable with that staff and he felt like he could get away with with stuff with that staff now you have a brand new staff you can't maybe get away with some of the same things that you were able to get away with with the last staff so I I, I don't know exactly what's you know what that what what uh how that could impact things. I think that's, that's one of those things where you just have to, first of all, we need to see who they're going to actually hire. Right. And then you just have to kind of see how everything plays out. I do think it's interesting as, as we build out this staff, it's a pretty inexperienced staff. When you look at it, I mean, Udoka's staff in, in Boston was a very good one, but a lot of those guys got head coaching jobs elsewhere. 
You know, Will Hardy's now the head coach in Utah. Damon Stoudemire is head coach at Georgia Tech. Uh, Joe Missoula, now the head coach of the Celtics, and he was a second-row assistant. Um, the guys that we have mentioned, none have been a head coach before. So I, I'm interested to see if the Rockets look to bring in a uh, an assistant who is or somebody who has been a head coach before because I don't think that I think that is probably helpful to have that because you know we think of Udoka as this experienced head coach he's been a head coach in the NBA for one season now granted it was a good season but you still might want a little bit more experience on the bench if you can get it James Borrego had been somebody who had been mentioned uh, as somebody who could come over but he's going to New Orleans so that's out so I, I don't know it's uh the the build you know building up this staff i think is going to be really interesting to see just because with yudoka you have a guy who has been around the league but he's really only been with for the most part what, you know he spent a, a good portion of his uh, majority of his career with just the one team it doesn't look like he's going to bring over anyone um from san antonio so it looks like it's just boston and royal ivy and we'll see how the rest of the staff shakes out yeah it's interesting to me too that two guys that actually would make sense as lead assistants are the guys that one that he's replacing, who's going on to be a lead assistant in Detroit. You know, Steven Silas would be a great candidate for anybody as a lead assistant. Uh, he obviously got him a job and, and was leaving this one. And then like we mentioned, John Lucas, uh, and, and perhaps, perhaps he could do better than John Lucas or, or could find something else different that fits his vision, so to speak. But, it is funny that to me, or interesting at least, that John Lucas is still under contract and it seems like they need an experienced head coach on that bench. And that uh, that doesn't seem to be the option or the direction that they're going to go in. So uh, I, I'm just interested to see how it just uh, it impacts the overall culture of the team and how these guys develop. I think it matters a lot, you know, the relationships behind the scenes and the time that they spend together and stuff that we don't see and can't fully understand just from watching the games and going to the practices and availabilities that we get, like all of that stuff matters. So I'm, I, I am curious to see not, not as if to say, I'm going to know a whole bunch about the guys that they're going to hire, but whoever it is that they hire, how they go from there, like how those assistants start to develop relationships with guys like Jalen Green and Alperin Shingoon and Tari Eason and Jabari Smith and, and and Kevin Porter Jr. And then for that matter, how many of those guys are still going to be around mm -hmm. uh, a month from now? That's the other thing that I'm sure we're going to get into plenty. But as we talk about Udoka's staff, that's one thing. But when we talk about Udoka's vision, Adam, man, I, I really anticipate that Ime Udoka is going like whatever his vision for this team, not that he's just going to be making all the moves and everything. Rafael Stone's still the, the GM and everything, but his vision for what this team is supposed to look like or what he wants it to look like, I think is going to be put into action uh, or I'd have a tough time imagining it not being put into action. So how does that, not only does that impact the players that they're bringing in, which is a lot of the discussion you and I have been having, but how does that impact the players that are going to be going out? And that's a, that, that to me is a fascinating observational piece because there is a crop, a crop of young talent here that is worth investing in and seeing it through with, but you can't keep all of them and expect to be competitive uh, anytime soon, unless you're just content with spinning your wheels. And, and we've already established that the Rockets are sort of past that.
Yeah, that's why training camp is really important for this group, especially the guys who are going into their second and third years because they were kind of – I won't say they were drafted by the previous head coach because, you know, Steven Silas wasn't drafting guys, but he was at least putting them in certain positions. Now you're basically having to start from scratch with a new staff. And so somebody like Josh Christopher, who, you know, still has an option for the final year of his contract, and same thing with Usman Garuba, they need to prove themselves. Like they have a chance to now prove themselves to a brand new coaching staff. And it might be what keeps them in the league for another year, or at least keeps them on the roster. Because like you said, they're really, there are very, there are, there are spots on this roster that are not guaranteed right now. And those two guys in particular are probably two at the top of the list because, you know, they are, they, they made all the first round picks last year. They've got two first round picks this year. They are going to sign, multiple guys in free agency. And so at that point, the, the the positions on the roster just start to dwindle down. And so you can only carry 15. So the question is, you know, are these guys going to get squeezed out? That's why it's, this summer is important for a couple of those guys, because if, if, if there, if there's not room at this point, they're not, you know, there's no room to carry you sometimes. All right, man, we're recording this podcast exactly two weeks away from the NBA draft exactly two weeks to the moment. Now, by the time this thing hits, by the time people see it, we'll be inside two weeks until the NBA draft. But let's just, for the sake of this discussion, call it two weeks until the NBA draft. We've talked a lot about the offseason, what they should do with the number four pick, even before they got the pick different, you know, what, what I think we even did a podcast of what if they fall out of the top three or something like that. Um, And sure enough, they did. Um, a lot of discussion about the draft, but I'm going to kick it to you because you've got a few trade ideas that I actually like. And I feel like we kind of dabbled with a little bit of this in a previous episode, but didn't really get deep into it. I've thought enough on some of these for long enough to kind of have some ideas or reaction to them. I like one of them. I, I, I'll say this. I'm going to let you pre- present them, but I surprisingly like one of them the least like the one that i like the least surprises me because i think if we had done this two weeks ago maybe it would have been my favorite idea but now it's my least favorite i'm gonna let you present well so i i came up with three and they are basically three different scenarios one is trade up one is trade back and one is trade the picks all together and so which one do you want to do first i'm gonna let you pick do you want trade back trade up or trade out of the draft altogether? Let's let's do my let's start with my favorite one, the one that I like the most, and and we can go from what I like the most down to what I like the least. Which and, which one? And which so one? and so that one is trading up. I like okay. the one trade of trading up the the most. Okay, so the trading up was with Charlotte. So you trade um, four twenty in the Brooklyn unprotected twenty twenty four first round pick for the second pick. That's the that's the trade up scenario. Um, you know, I was looking at a, I found something on the internet with a, uh, a, uh, you know how you have the Jimmy Johnson chart in the NFL. Yeah. I found something like that for the NBA draft, but then I sent it to a league executive. He was like, no, this is, this is nothing. So ignore this. All right. So I'm going to ignore, so I'm ignoring the draft chart, the draft value chart, but you look at it. And if you're Charlotte, and this is how you convince Charlotte to do it. First of all, you know why the Rockets would want to do it. Yeah. The Rockets would like to be able to get into the top three. And they've made seven first round picks the last two years. 
they don't need to make two more. And they've made a bunch of, you know, picks 20 to 30 uh, in the first round. They don't need to make it. They don't need any more, you know, picks in the 20s. They're good. They're set with, with picks that have been made in the 20s. Um, if you're Charlotte, you basically tell the Hornets, hey, you need as many players as possible. You're, you're, you have very little talent on the roster. Um, you know, you look and one guy is not necessarily going to help you all that much. And so you basically sell them on getting the assets. You get the unprotected pick from Brooklyn. Who knows what the Nets are going to look like next year. And so now maybe you have a little bit of a start. Um, now you can also, there are other ways to maybe sweeten the offer for Charlotte, maybe take on a bad contract. I don't know if Gordon Hayward is necessarily considered a bad contract, especially when he's expiring. So that might not, but maybe you take on Gordon Hayward's $30 million. And by the way, Gordon Hayward would probably help the Rockets right now too. When, yeah, when it sure. comes to like, are they going to be able to get anybody better in free agency for one year than Gordon Hayward? Answer is probably no, especially on a one-year flyer type thing. Um, maybe you take him on, maybe you take on Terry Rozier. Maybe there's another contract that Charlotte would like to get off of. Remember, uh, the Hornets are likely going to be sold. And that's a more, if you're a prospective buyer of the Hornets, it's a lot more um, attractive if you have less money on the books. You're spending less money if you're the new owner of that team. So for me, if you're the Rockets, you're looking to get two from Charlotte. You offer four, 20, Brooklyn's 2024 first round pick. Um, and you take off all the protections on that. And then maybe if they want you to sweeten the offer by, you know, taking on a contract, you do it. Maybe they want another bunch of your second round picks that you've acquired over the last couple of years. You do it. But to me, I think that it makes a lot. Obviously it makes sense for the Rockets to, to move into the top three. And if I'm them, I'm probably doing everything I can to move up from four to two. This is the idea that I like the most that I'm the, the biggest fan of love it. I also feel that it is the least likely. I don't see, I just don't think that Charlotte would do this deal. I'm not sure that I would do this deal if I was Charlotte either. So if, for me, it's a, it's a hard one to really gravitate to because I don't think it's actually something that, that they would do or should do, even though it's something that I am very much a fan of from Houston standpoint. Now, I, I, I am. I think that the case that you made is convincing and is one that you should make if you're the Rockets to try to make to them. Like, yeah, like this is good for you. This is the way that you're you adding play. more players. You're getting you're, more assets. Yeah, you're adding more players. You're getting more assets. You're you're getting rid of some salary. You're cutting some fat, and you're setting yourself up pretty nice for the future. But at the same time, if I'm just looking at it from a basketball standpoint, if I've got the opportunity to draft Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, I'm not going to pass that up for just so I can offload Gordon Hayward's contract and 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 pinch a few pennies. You know, like to me, the the difference between having the second pick and having the fourth pick is that significant or at least it feels that significant. We could be wrong about this now, by the way, like it could turn out that one of those Thompson twins or, or, or uh, Anthony black or like, you know, Cam Whitmore, somebody is like, just turns out to be like just this otherworldly type of player. And we're all wrong about it. But from the way it feels right now, the difference between picking it two and picking it four is not worth, the cost saving that the Hornets would benefit from, from doing this trade. So I love it. I like it for the Rockets. Don't feel like it is one that 
again, the Hornets should or would do? What's your other one? Uh, well, let me just – let me sell – I'm Rafael Stone. You're Mitch Kupchak. Let me sell it to you a little bit more. Let's do it. You don't – you, you got LaMelo Ball. You don't need Scoot Henderson. And then maybe I accidentally text you the Brandon Miller story about, you know, whatever happened and possibly was, eh, oh, my bad. I didn't I didn't mean to send that to you. Pretty rough story, though, if you ask me. You know, you kind of sell them on the, hey, maybe, I don't know, you had the Miles Bridges thing. Do you really want to deal with this Brandon Miller story also? I don't know about that. So, you know, you try and finesse it a little bit. And as somebody who, uh, and, and this point will come up again um, when we go through this exercise, Hornets aren't exactly known as being the smartest team in the NBA. So, you know, maybe you can uh, convince them, I guess would be the best way to put it. All right, next one. Which which one do you want? Before, uh, well, since you pre- presented that, though, before we go on to the next one, let me ask you this. Yes. The whole, cause, cause, and, and, and I'm asking Adam this question, like just from a basketball standpoint. Okay. Cause you and I, we, we talk ball quite a bit on this podcast and, and off of it. The idea that Scoot Henderson and LaMelo ball can't play together. That's a, that's a theory that you definitely want to test out first before you just rule it out, right? A normal team, but we're not dealing with a normal team right now. Yeah, okay, we're dealing, we're dealing just, with Charlotte Hornets. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just checking. I wanted to step out of the, I wanted to step outside of ourselves for a second here and make sure that I, that I do understand what does make sense if they're a normal team. And 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 your point is is valid. Like they're not a normal team, so who who, who the hell knows what they're gonna do. You're, you're taking advantage of the weak player at the at the at the at the poker table. You know, you're taking. That's what you have to do sometimes. Everybody knows who the weak player at the poker table is. If you don't, then it's you. But I think most people know that Charlotte is the weak player at the poker table right now. So maybe you try and take advantage of Mitch Kupchak, whose claim to fame in the NBA is building a, you know, a Lakers back-to-back championship teams 15 years ago by playing, you know, by playing a style that nobody is playing today. So that's why you kind of have to go in that direction is you're taking advantage of the older GM, the ownership that has seemingly been clueless now for well over a decade. Sometimes you have to take advantage of them. Sorry to do it, but you know, that's, that's the world we live in. We're, we're sharks. I'm a shark. I'm a shark as a GM. That's just how it is. You can't, you can't run the triangle with two point guards. Can't run the triangle with two point guards. You need a point guard and a shooting guard and a small forward and a power forward and need a center. Yep. Um, <laughs> Anyway, um, all right, so let's do the trade back. I, I am I will say that I am lukewarm on the trade back. I, I like it, don't necessarily love it. This is my favorite one, to be honest with you, just because I think for them, I, I think it's the one that can probably be done a little bit easier. Because, like we've talked about, Charlotte, no matter how dumb we think the Hornets are, they are unlikely to move back from two to go to four, especially in a three-player draft. But so the move, the move back deal is with Orlando. And the Magic sit with 6 and 11. They have 6. That's their own pick. And then they have the 11th pick from Chicago from the Nikola um, Vucevic trade. And and so if you're the Rockets, you offer um, 4, 20, and another asset, whether it's one of the Brooklyn picks in 2020. You know, I threw out the 2024 Brooklyn pick that is lottery protected. If it does not convey, then I'll give you three second round picks or I'll give you KJ Martin. And in return, I get six and 11. Now, if I am the Rockets, now to me, um, 
moving up from 20 to 11 is going to cost a lot more than moving back from four to six, especially in this draft. Because I don't think there's a, I think I believe, and that's why I have to give up a little bit more. That's why I'm having to give up another asset. Um, and if I'm the Rockets, I don't think they necessarily care. Um, whoever fall, you know, whoever's, you know, four five, six, I think that they would probably be happy with anyone at that rate. Once you're out of the top three, but moving up from 20 to 11, I think would serve a huge purpose. I think it, it completely changes the type of player that you can go after with that second pick. Um, you know, like let's say somebody like Grady Dick, I think would fit perfectly with the Rockets right now. He would probably walk in on day one and be the best shooter on the team. You're not getting Grady Dick at 20. And I don't know if you'd be able to get him at 11, but it's possible that you could. And so you at least put that in play. And there are other guys that will be in that late lottery range that you could get at 11 that you wouldn't be able to get at 20. And those guys could probably help you. It's a completely different class of player, I think. That's why if it's me, I am trying to move up from 20 or just trade 20 altogether. Um, if you're Orlando, um, I, I think you do this because – at four, and this is how you convince them. Um, at, at four, you basically control the next tier of the draft. You know, we all know that top tier is going to be Wembenyama or Wembenyana. Sorry, I, I don't know which way to say it at this point. And I don't have to know now because he's not going to the Rockets. So Victor obviously is one. And then at two and three, you have Henderson and you have Miller. So if you're Orlando, now you get to control that next tier of the draft. And the Magic, you know, I think the Magic go into next season thinking that, hey, we have a we have a legitimate chance to be in the play-in next year or to at least be in the playoffs. So maybe that guy is right there and we can just we can just pick him up. You don't have to worry about anybody else. We can just get that guy at four, be done with it. You know, maybe we add another piece at 20. Maybe we get KJ Martin. KJ Martin could probably help us day one. And now we're a little bit closer. Um, it's not the best selling point in the world to Orlando, just because I don't, again, I don't think there's a huge difference, but then you also have, remember Sacramento, Sacramento picked fourth last year and they kind of used that pick to help spring them springboard them into the playoffs. Now it's not exactly an apples to apples situation between Sacramento last year and Orlando this year, Sacramento kind of could have traded back and still gotten Keegan Murray, but they, they had that guy in mind at four that they thought could help put them over the top. And they went from being out of the playoffs last year to winning 50 plus games this year and being the third seed in the Western conference. So I think that's kind of how you have to sell it to Orlando. Uh, I think if the rock, if you're the Rockets, you are doing everything possible to get out of 20 and to find your way back into the lottery somehow, but it's good. It's going to be hard. That's, that's a hard jump to make, but you do have the assets to get it done, whether it's with some of the picks that you're owed in the future or somebody like KJ Martin, who's on a very cheap contract next year. And I don't know if KJ Martin necessarily fits into the future of the team, but KJ Martin does certainly have value outside of the organization. If he doesn't with you. You sold that pretty good. And I, I agree. Yeah, I I understood all of that already, but you sold that very well, and I'm down. I'm in. I'm in on it. I think you're absolutely spot on with the analysis of what the sort of the prospect pool looks like. The difference between four and six is negligible, but the difference between twenty and eleven could be significant for you specifically if you're the Rockets. Um, you mentioned Grady Dick. That is one where if you can get him at 11, he does fit very well with the Rockets. Like 
you can actually get two quality contributors to your team from between six and 11, as opposed to hoping and wishing and praying that four is as close to one of those top three guys as he possibly can, can be. And he's probably not. And then not getting really anything out of 20 more than likely. Not, not getting much more of what you've gotten out of the twenties over the last couple of drafts or so. So I'm totally with that. I also think like, I still like the other one more for obvious reasons. Cause it gets you possibly scoot Henderson, which I think is awesome, but <laughs> we also don't think that that is uh, realistic. And so this one also feels more realistic and could get you to actual contributing players to your team. So I am with this. This is my second favorite of the three. And, and if you factor in realistic, you know, realism, like the realistic factor, then you could argue that it is my favorite one. Cause I do think it's one that they could actually pull off. Uh, what's the third one. <laughs> the third one is now, now we're getting a little, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to take advantage of a team here. Uh, and again, it's Charlotte. And so it's a three-team trade between Charlotte, Houston, and Boston. Boston gets LaMelo Ball and K.J. Martin from the Rockets. Um, the Rockets get Jalen Brown from Boston. And Charlotte gets four and 20 from the Rockets, as well as the uh, Brooklyn's 2024 first-round pick. And so obviously the way you sell it to Charlotte is, hey, you guys are awful. You're not going anywhere. This is your opportunity to basically hit the, re the, the reset button on your team. You know, you're looking at having to give LaMelo Ball an, uh, an extension uh, really this summer. You're, you don't have to do that now. You know, you're off the hook with that, um, which whoever winds up owning your team next, he's going to be happy that, hey, you don't have to deal with this big contract now. So basically you are starting over with four and two with two and four in this draft. Plus, you're going to be awful next year, so you get that pick. Uh, and so that's not a bad little foundation that you can really start rebuilding your team with. You'll have plenty of cap space if you want to have, go the free agency route. So that's how I sell it to Charlotte. For Boston, you basically – now, this is assuming that Boston goes to Jalen Brown and says, hey, we're going to offer you the Supermax. And if Jalen Brown says no, well, then if you're the Celtics, you have to start thinking. And somebody like LaMelo Ball would really help the Celtics – because they they kind of needed a point guard. Yeah. And I think that's one aspect of their offense that would really help is if they did add a point guard to the mix and somebody who can maybe create for others uh, and take some of the pressure off of um, uh, Jason Tatum. I think that that would benefit them uh, greatly. And if you look, Jalen Brown, I, I don't know if he has quite the value that maybe some would think just because he's going into the last year of the contract. And it's you look at some of these trades that have been made for all stars. It's harder to get them once they're in the last year. You look at what Philly got for you look at what Brooklyn got for James Harden. They got Ben Simmons at that point. Did they get Ben Simmons more as an asset or did they just, you know, make that part of the deal to make the contracts work? And then the, uh, the Nets got back, a couple of veteran players and Andre Drummond and Seth Curry, who, you know, great. They're, they're fine. And then they got a couple of first round picks, all of both of which are going to wind up being late first rounders. So in essence, Brooklyn did not get very much back for James Harden, especially when you consider what they gave up for James Harden. Somebody like Kawhi Leonard, um, he was traded in the last year of his deal. Um, the Raptors, or, or rather the Spurs got back DeMar DeRozan, 
you know, that was more to make the money work. Uh, Jakob Pertl in a first round pick. That's not a huge haul for Kawhi Leonard, even though he had missed the previous season. I mean, you still would expect to get more for Kawhi Leonard, but again, he's in the last year of his contract. The value isn't quite the same. So you look at some of these, you know, all-star trades, whether it's um, Rudy Gobert uh, last year, Kevin Durant this year, um, Donovan Mitchell this past year. Yeah, the halls were big, but those were guys that were under contract for a long time. And that's where the value, you know, when they're under team control for a little bit longer, that's where they have a little bit more value. So that's how you sell it. That's why I think that while it, the, the the return that Boston is getting um, for Jalen Brown might not seem like it's a lot, but you are getting somebody in LaMelo Ball who uh, you have under team control. You know, you have the one year left on the rookie deal, plus he's a restricted free agent after that. So that's five, five, six years that you get with him. Um, and you also get him for less money than what you're giving to Jalen Brown. And so that helps you when it comes to all the luxury tax aprons and, and, the, and that sort of stuff. So you're not having to pay, you know, your top two guys, you know, maybe $120 million a year over the next five years. So if you're Boston financially, it makes a little bit of sense. So it's a lot, it's a little crazy. It's, you know, but, and if you're, and let me just ask you just from the rocket standpoint, 420 KJ Martin and the 2024 first round pick, is that to you, is that too much for Jalen Brown? I think so, but I would do it anyway. I, I, I think it is, but it's one of those where sometimes to, to get the, to get a thing that you need, Sometimes you might have to pay a little bit more for it. And and this would be one of those situations where it'd be a very unique situation, uniquely situated to where Jalen Brown is available to you in this way. And I think you would have to do it now. Now, I would I would also want to have some sort of assurances and some sort of plan of keeping Jalen Brown around like I, that's the hard part. You know, yeah, that, that's yeah. the hard part of this. That's why that's yeah. why the value for Jalen Brown to me isn't quite as high as maybe you would assume because right. you really can't extend him. And so you're going to go into this whole thing with with uh, with Jalen Brown becoming a free agent. And I don't care what he says on day one about, oh, yeah, I want to be a Rocket for life or, and all this stuff. You know, Kyrie Irving said that he wanted to be a Celtic for life. And by the time that season ended, they couldn't wait to get rid of him. You know, they, they couldn't yeah. wait for, for the divorce to happen both sides. So I, I think it just makes it a very critical year, though. Like if you do mm-hmm. it, it makes the season even more critical, like outside of – okay, where do you finish and and what's your record and how much progress do you make from year to year? And like, you know, because, you know, you're not going to be rewarded for failure this year and all of that kind of stuff. And it's more about, okay, have you created an environment and, and set up a situation where that's attractive to Jalen Brown wanting to be there long term? It almost It almost turns the season into being almost entirely about that. Maybe not entirely, but but in part about about nurturing an environment that is conducive to a Jalen Brown free agency pitch, you know, a guy that's your own free agent. And, 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 but then at the same time, making sure that you're doing all of the things that you need to, to develop the Jalen greens and Jabari Smith and Alvin Shingoons of the world. Like what that balancing act looks like for Ime Udoka, who, as you mentioned before, is not a super experienced head coach. He's only really had the one year, like him having to to piece all of that together, I think would be really, really fascinating, but something that you have to do because you need to bring in players like that. Um, and, and one of the things that I've struggled with with Jalen Brown is that like he's he's clearly like a 
you know, somebody that would probably be the second or third best player on a championship team, more than likely not the best player on a championship team, more than likely. But I think, I think in terms of order, you know, most people don't think of it in terms of, Hey, let me get my number two first before I figure out exactly who my number one is, whether that person is already in house and Jalen green, or if that's somebody that I'm going to draft or trade for, you know, or if I'm going to figure that out on the back end. I think, like, from an order standpoint, that's kind of hard to think of. But it's like, no, if you got a chance to get a guy like that, it, it's it's more than likely, it's more likely than not that the number four pick is not going to be as good as Jalen Brown. The number 20 pick is not going to be as good as Jalen Brown and whatever combination that you could find there. Um, but I did want to say, though, about your proposal, because you said that it's not an impressive get for Boston. And maybe this is my hot take on your trade. And I said I like this the least out of the, out of all of them, even though it gets you arguably the best player. I don't know. I think number two, if number two gets you scoop, maybe that's the best player. But nevertheless, I like this deal for Boston the most. The deal, the deal that you presented here, I think Boston benefits the most from this deal because they get a star level player in LaMelo Ball, but who fits better stylistically with or or I should say is a better complement to Jason Tatum and fits a need that they have in the point guard gap that they've had that they have there and then KJ Martin I feel like on any team is is the kind of spark plug that could make you better cuz you don't have to run plays for him and he's going to go out there and he's going to give you effort and athleticism and things that you honestly just cannot teach so to me <laughs> If I'm Boston, this would be something that I would actually be interested in. Yeah, and um, the problem with, with Ball is that he hasn't played a lot of games recently, hasn't done a whole lot of winning either. And so you wonder if he has, like, the habits that you're looking for. I mean, this is a Boston team that is almost always, you know, they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals a bunch over the last few years. They've been to the NBA Finals last year. Now, all of a sudden, you're kind of breaking that group up and bringing in somebody who has never gotten past a play-in tournament. You know, that's that's tough. And uh, especially having to – they don't have to necessarily extend him right away. They could basically make him play for it if they wanted to because he's a restricted free agent. So they've got some control in, in that situation. He's but, talented, though, man. Oh, no, no question. He's really good. The talent, the talent is real, but are the habits championship-type habits? Yeah. And that's what you'd really have to develop with him more than anything is that, you know, all right, you know, all the stuff that you do on the floor is great, but does it lead to winning? Can you stay on the floor? And are you going to defend at a high level? And, and I do think the one benefit that Ball kind of gives you is that he doesn't necessarily have to guard the basketball because while he plays point guard, he's bigger. You know, he's, what is he, six 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 eight something six, like seven, that? I think he's like six seven. yeah. Yeah, so, so you can still have Marcus Smart on the ball more often than not, and then you can try and hide LaMelo as much as you can on, on weaker wings if you want to give that a shot. And you do have an, enough of a defensive infrastructure on that team uh, to where maybe um, you don't, you know, maybe he doesn't, like, stick out quite as much and that you're able to, to pick him up or he could just play harder on that end of the floor. I mean, there's always that possibility. So to me, the, the big thing is if you're Charlotte, you need to just start over new ownership, new everything, just blow it up. But as I've said, it's not the smartest team in the world. And LaMelo ball is a bit of a, fa a fan favorite over there um, as much as they have fans with that team. 
So are you willing to kind of start over at that point? I don't know if Charlotte would be willing to do it, but I think that that it would be the right thing for them to do. And if you're the Rockets, you're giving up a lot in this trade for somebody who you don't know if he'll be with you past next season. But, you know, you're aside from KJ Martin, you're basically just giving up draft picks and guys that you haven't spent time on. You know, the fourth pick in this year's draft is not somebody that you have spent any time on developing. Same thing with the 20th pick. Same thing with that 2024 Brooklyn pick. So the idea that you're going to be able to get, it doesn't look like Brooklyn is about to like flatline at this point. I mean, we, we've now seen this Brooklyn thing for the last couple of years. They've traded all three of those guys. They were able to get, you know, something back for all three. I, I think that the haul for Harden wasn't very good, um, but what they got back for Durant was terrific. You know, they're going to wind up getting Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson plus all those Phoenix picks. That looks like it's going to work out. What they got back for Kyrie Irving, that worked out. I mean, that that's a good deal. Getting two rotation guys uh, plus picks in that trade, that's a good trade for Brooklyn. So to me, it, it looks like Brooklyn has enough of a floor to where, you know, maybe they miss the playoffs, you know, once or twice in the next three years. But the idea that they're going to, you know, become a 15-win team like they did after the Pierce and Garnett trade, it just doesn't seem very likely at this point. So I want to do a, like a, I kind of just want to do a finals episode at some point next week, kind of react to, to the finals. I, I was going to get to it here, but we've already gone over long enough. Maybe we can do that early next week if we get the chance or if we get the opportunity. Um, but I also, like, I kind of have a cool way to still tie it into the Rockets and localize it a little bit, if you will, uh, for our purposes at the H-Town Hoops podcast. So we can talk about that a little bit offline, but that's something that I am interested in doing next week. Obviously, you've got game four that's happening on Friday night. So by the time you guys get this podcast, you'll probably be getting ready for game four of the NBA finals. But as you know, we are looking forward to two weeks from now, the NBA draft and how that domino affects the Rockets offseason. And of course, you got summer league not too long after that. You get to see your young Rockets in action. Between now and then, we will be talking to you. So for Austin Mendez producing this thing for us, Adam Spillane, Brandon Scott, this is the H-Town Hoops Podcast. Subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. Appreciate it.